campers. Welcome to Museum Camp. I'm Megan. I'm Madison. Hey. <laughs> Hi. What's up? What's up with you? What's up with me? <laughs> um, you know, really not that much. Um, okay. You? Any big headline headlines? Headlights? Headlines? Headlights? No. Um, I mean, I've got things to talk about, but nothing. Let's dig in. Nothing, you know, that's going to really change the world. Um, <laughs> because it's just TV. As it always But is. I've got a list. Okay, let's go. Okay. So first and foremost, I have to give you some amazing news. Okay. I started watching The Alienist. <gasps> How do you like it? It's an amazing vibe, number one. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Incredible lineup of actors, uh-huh. number two. Uh-huh. What is going on? I didn't realize all of those people were in it. Yeah. Why is everyone sleeping on this show? Everyone's sleeping on it. And I swear to God, if that means that they don't continue it, I'm going to get mad. I believe. So the thing is, the first two seasons, there's The Alienist and then The Alienist Angel of Darkness. Those are okay. each books by Caleb Carr. Oh, I read somewhere, I guess, that they were working on season three, but it didn't seem super like, you know, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also saw on like Reddit or something that um, Caleb Carr is working on another book in the series. Oh. And so that could be the holdup. I don't know. But All I right. will say they left season two on a very like... Not like cliffhanger. a cliffhanger, but like there's elements to other like plot lines that I'm like, okay. I have to know. I need to know. <laughs> I have to see this through. Mm. So we'll see. I think I'm like five episodes in mm. at this point, but I'll just say when you see the man with the silver smile, it was so creepy when it's he comes so up on creepy. screen. It's so, so well done. Creepy. Yeah. I already want to watch it again. Yeah. It's such a vibe. I um love it. some other things that I've watched lately, I watched Devil in Ohio. We yeah. talked about that, which I thought was pretty good. Yeah. Um, another great like vibe to mm, it where yeah. like if it's a rainy day, if it's a little gloomy, yep. just put on this thing about satanic cults. It's fine. The other I mean, the only thing with that is I'm like, you know, the I don't know, satanic cults being the culprit and everything. Yeah, it's kind of low hanging fruit. It's a it's a little bit of what is this, nineteen eighties? But I'm gonna watch it. I'll watch it. Um another thing that I've watched recently, and I couldn't remember if I talked about it on the podcast or not. All right. It was a Netflix show called Keep Breathing. Um, I don't think so. Okay. I don't know. It doesn't sound familiar to me. This woman gets on a like small private airplane. The airplane ends up crashing of in the course. middle of nowhere in Canada. Ooh. And it's like a dramatized episode of Alone. <gasps> no it, way. It is very good. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I'm into that. Um, so that's a limited series that I watched. And then, um, you know, I've been talking about things that I enjoyed. And I'm going to say uh, a bold statement here. Uh I watched a movie the other night that I did not really enjoy. And I'm still kind of like, I think I'm still dissecting in my brain as to why I didn't enjoy it. But okay. I watched The Menu oh, on yeah. HBO. Um, I love Anya Taylor-Joy, obviously. Yeah. I mean, incredible. But um, have you seen it yet? No, but it's on my list. And I've heard good things about it. Yeah, I think so. I I liked the premise 
it felt very like out of touch the way that they did it. It was because it was such like satire, but it, it's like they were making fun of elites, but it was such elitist people that were in the movie. Yeah. So it's like, this feels not quite like you guys don't understand what's going yeah. on here. <laughs> like why we're saying eat the rich. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool, um, cool. Cool. So I think that was my main critique, but I'm mm-hmm. still working on like why I didn't fully enjoy it. Okay. But yeah, you'll have to let me know what you think. When yeah, you watch it. I will. Yeah. We'll watch it soon. What um, about you? Have you been watching anything? We watched Glass Onion. You did? Oh, I still haven't watched my it. God. I'm like scared. I'm scared because I've heard mixed reviews. Really? Yeah. I loved it. Okay. Here's the thing. It was so good. I never want to not be watching a Knives Out movie. Same. I never want to not be watching one. I just want to watch 24 one 7. Yeah. Um, it was so good. I'm already ready to watch it again. Okay. Um, I have to say, Janelle Monet, she did something to me in that movie. I love her I so much. Was, I was, I don't even have words. She was unreal. Yeah. I love her. I mean, we know. I've been a Janelle Monet fan for you have, 15 yeah. years now. Yeah. Brag. <laughs> a long time. <laughs> and I've been seeing like clips of her being like interviewed about this movie. And it's just, I, I just cannot wait to see her. Yeah. I've just been trepidatious with watching it because I feel like, yeah, I've heard mixed reviews and I'm like, I don't want to be disappointed by I a know. Knives Out movie. I know. But if you, if I get your stamp yeah. of approval. I think you'll love it. The thing is, is like, it's so funny because the way it started out, I had like a moment of panic almost where I was like, oh, it almost feels like they're like trying too hard. And then you oh. get like a twist and then it all falls into place. Okay. And it's so... I just, I loved, I loved it. Okay. Okay. I'll watch it in the next couple of days. Yeah. 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 It was great. Okay. Uh, um, other than that, you know, a new season of The Circle is out. <laughs> <laughs> um, Did you start it? Obviously. obviously. So we've been, uh, we started that yesterday or I don't remember um and it's stupid and it's mind-numbing and I love it I love mind-numbing stuff same and so good I wish I was into reality tv Mm -hmm. because I feel like it is perfectly mind-numbing yeah yeah oh for sure um yeah I love it um and it's funny because on this season (laughs) they have like for the first time it's like two contestants you know, spoiler alert. I mean, mm-hmm. it happens in the second episode, so. Uh, but two contestants, like, they basically get voted out, and then they get the opportunity to re-enter, like, together, basically. So they have to, like, they're, they're moved to, like, an apartment together, basically, okay. for this thing, because everyone else is just by themselves. Sure. And so, like, these two strangers basically are interacting in real life. And I'm like, I don't like that as you much. like that? <laughs> I'm like, so I only all, like it. I, I guess I don't really know the premise, or it's okay. been too long yeah, since yeah. you've explained it to me. <laughs> so, basically, um, what it is, is they have this big apartment building. Uh-huh. And they have eight contestants at a time. And, like, they kind of threw out the season. I don't know how many there are total, maybe, like, 12 or so. Um, But everyone gets their own apartment. Mm -hmm. And there's, like, cameras in this apartment and, like, TV screens in every room with their, like, fake, you know, social media app, The Circle, on it. Mm -hmm. And 
Um, then like basically they're chatting through these like they make these profiles mm-hmm. on this app and then they like chat with each other through it and they are like they're like games and challenges and stuff that they do okay and like some people are catfishing and some people aren't it's basically just like a social media popularity contest because then you're ranking people oh. like one through eight mm-hmm. um each time and then the like you so someone gets to be an influencer <laughs> oh my and God. like the influencers then get to like choose who gets blocked or like goes home or whatever and they never meet until they're out um or until like the final final and so you Hmm. don't know if like i don't know it's very funny um because Hmm. there's i don't know that there's like an actual like good strategy for it because everyone's like really caught up and like well i might be getting catfished by this person but it's like the the goal isn't to like you know find all the catfish it's It's to to be be the most popular and like I don't know. My it's, nightmare. It's I know. And it's <laughs> so ridiculous and so funny. And so then I was like, it's very it's a very like niche type of reality television sure. that I like where I don't actually like watching people interact with other people. Yeah. It's I like, you know, them being on a computer. <laughs> it's every introvert's dream. It really is. Yeah. yeah. And like that's the only one that I would ever consider doing because then you also get like you know, two weeks in an apartment by yourself. Not bad. Yeah. That's not bad. I would be, that's a vacation, baby. Yeah, that's a vacation. Where does it take place? Well, it's so funny because they like, they show all this B-roll of Chicago. Uh-huh. Um, but it but it's is not Chicago. Not Chicago. <laughs> it's apparently just like the building is somewhere like in the rural, like, english countryside or something okay are they not are they all in the same apartment building yeah are they not allowed to leave their no, apartments no they have oh that no that sounds yeah. like hell on i know I you would not like that. i know and so they have like rooms in the thing but they have to like make sure it's like scheduled so that they don't like pass each other or anything because sure. they have like a gym they have a pool they have like a i don't know like a yoga studio they have all this other stuff huh. and like so they can go do that but it's but they can't and, and they can't have any of their devices and so they're just like reading books and doing puzzles and like <laughs> i would be down for that if i had a friend with me so i yeah. could do well the... yes and some some of them do bring someone like sure you know so there's a time where it's like oh i'm for whatever reason it's just two people and so i'm like we could we would be good at it we'd be good at that if we could just do jigsaw puzzles or crossword puzzles can all day, you imagine that'd be a dream it'd be great <laughs> um because last season two of the spice girls did it together really which mm-hmm. two um sporty and or no not sporty scary and baby okay okay well that would be interesting to time. watch yeah huh yeah okay that's a good I enjoy it. I think it's stupid and hilarious, and I've spent way too much time talking about it now. Um, anything else? No, I listed all of my TV, and TV is really the only thing going it's on. It's my hobby. Me. Yeah, it's my hobby. It's my hobby. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get to a museum. Okay. Let's do it. Bye, intro. Goodbye, intro. Okay. Okay. And hello, main segment. <clears throat> Lay it on us, Madison. Here we go. <laughs> um, I don't have a like preamble. Okay, that's fine. For today, I don't have even like a good hook. Okay, I'm hooked no matter what. Aw, thank you. <laughs> um, and I, I just, I don't even want to bury the lead. Um, we've talked lately and 
forever on immature history about our love of eccentrics sure have and so maybe that's why i like this museum so much i don't know um but honestly i just saw a write-up about this museum on alice obscura and was like there i am yeah so today we're heading to centerville nova scotia canada 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 to the charles mcdonald concrete house museum okay (laughs) um it is exactly what it sounds like. Just, it's a, house just a concrete house made out of concrete. I love um, that. So, here okay. we go. Great in the well. No, what season would that be good for? None of them. Okay, <laughs> continue. <laughs> I was like, if we're talking about like thermodynamics or anything, I don't know. I, I don't even think that's a dynamic. Know. Yeah. Okay, I have a lot of sources. Okay. Um. Obviously, you know, all thanks to the Alice Obscura article about this. Uh, the museum's website, concretehouse.ca. Mm. It's from Canada. Canada. Um, Wikipedia articles for Charles McDonald Concrete House Museum, Concrete Roman Architectural Revolution, <laughs> Smeaton Tower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, the Britannica.com entry for concrete. Um, and then an article in saltwire.com that I'll cite more specifically later. Okay. I would just like to say, I don't think I have a single verbatim Wikipedia quote in here. Wow. I know. Honestly, kudos to you. Thank you. That's incredible. (laughs) It's been a long time since either of us have done I know. It might might be a first. Yeah. Okay. All right. Here we go. Yeah. Charles McDonald, or Charlie, Mm -hmm. uh, was born on April 5th, 1874 in Centerville, Nova Scotia. Okay. He and his five siblings grew up on their father's farm. His father was an apple grower. Um, which sounds so cute. That's very cute. A Nova Scotian apple grower. Sign me up for that job. Absolutely. What apples would you grow, do you think? Um, you know, any of them. If if I could get a single apple to grow, no complaints. I'd be happy. <laughs> yeah. I just think like if you're growing apples, you're going to have to eat a lot of those, that specific kind of apple. Yeah. And the only apple that I could see myself never getting sick of is a Macintosh. Mm, okay. That's my favorite. Old Faithful. It's Old Faithful. Yeah. I'm I'm a Honeycrisp gal. Yeah. But there's, I also like, I don't know if Honeycrisp is especially good for like cooking with. You know, I love Honeycrisp raw. Probably. I mean, they're pretty crisp. They're pretty crisp. You don't want That's like true. a soft apple to no, cook with. Not like a Macintosh. You don't want a mealy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but farm life actually never really appealed to little Charlie. Sure. Uh, instead, he found himself drawn to more creative pursuits. Yeah. Um, apparently annoying his teachers as he like drew during class. What? Like, uh, okay. Teachers in the 1800s. Can you just like <laughs> fucking chill? Teachers in the 1800s. And then also subsequently for several decades just, after that, yeah. well into the 1900s. Can you just let children be kids? Yeah. Gosh, um, but he would draw in class instead of paying attention, and they were annoyed because it's a coping mechanism. He probably had, mm-hmm. you know, ADHD or something. Yeah, were you a doodler? Yeah, what? Were you a doodler? Um, sometimes I like to do my name in bubble letters. Yeah. I like to draw. <laughs> I I'm a big um. I like to pretend that I do graffiti sometimes mm-hmm. when I'm doodling, but um, the big as far as S. like picture oh the s's all oh, over oh i mean never not never i not was looking for words that started with an s yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you a doodler no okay. i i always like wanted to be i wanted to be an like so yeah. good at art so badly yeah 
Um, but I don't know. And honestly, I was such a dweeb that I truly just took notes. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was mostly what I did. But there were some classes, especially like in my senior year when I was so over, you know, everything. And I'd already gotten into college and was like ready to go. Yeah. Where I didn't care anymore. And inst- I was bored and didn't want to pay attention. And so I would just write song lyrics out. Of course. I would just like, I mean, it looked manic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was not a cute look. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. It looked like a manifesto. <laughs> it really did. Of Counting Crows lyrics. <laughs> a Counting Crows manifesto is something I would never read. I would only read it. <laughs> Oy, oy, oy. Um, okay, so by the ripe old age of 15, mm-hmm. uh, Charles left school for good. Okay. He uh, he was done. He entered the workforce. Shout out, 19th century. Yeah, you could pretty much just uh, do that. Yeah, and it was fine. Yeah. Uh, so while he did stick to his guns and didn't follow in his dad's footsteps and become a farmer, uh, he did kind of stay in the neighborhood, um, worked nearby his hometown as a carpenter. Oh, like Jesus. Just like Jesus. His <laughs> first job was was as an apprentice apprentice to a coffin maker. Oh, so. okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is like, just imagine a 15-year-old boy making coffins. That's, That's a weird... Uh, someone's got to do it. Someone has to do it. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it would be a 15-year-old boy. Nope. Nope. Um, by age 24, he was actually pretty good at carpentry um, and took to the seas as a ship's carpenter and Ooh. saw the world. Ooh. Now, this is pretty cool. Uh, yeah. His first trip was on a boat called the Hampshire. Okay. And it was traveling from New York City, New hmm. York City. New York City. Uh, to Santos, Brazil. Ooh. Um, and so obviously this takes months. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, being a ship's carpenter actually sounds like kind of a dream job. Sure. Um, especially if you're into carpentry, it's like you do a little bit of carpentry and then you just get to hang out. You don't have to like hang out. You don't, you're not swabbing the deck. You're not swabbing the deck. You're not getting bossed around by the captain Mm -mm. and you're just like chilling. You're vibing on a boat, on on a boat. And like, sometimes you're like making stuff. You're doing crafts. Amazing. How do I get this job? How do we sign up? I know. Honestly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He was basically just able to do whatever he wanted whenever. And he had a lot of free time. Sure. Uh, So during this free time, he filled sketchbooks. uh, He read tons of books. And he even learned how to play the mandolin. I mean. (laughs) He's doing it all. He's doing it all. Oh, my God. Basically, he took this time to just be in awe of the world around him um, because he'd obviously never really been out beyond his little town um, and grew up in a very rural place. Um, And he documented everything extensively via his like journals. And let me flip through those journals. Mm. Do they exist in this museum? I think parts of them do. Yeah. Um, But lots of drawings from his sketchbooks. I love that. Amazing. So... Once his initial voyage uh, with the Hampshire came to an end, he was in South America um, and got on his next ship that took him over to England. Mm. And then from there, he basically was just like, I'll go everywhere, I guess. So he went all over Europe, all of these big, like, um, you know, sea 
capitals in Europe. I don't know. Yeah, the ports. Um, all the, ports. the ports. Yes, big yeah. port cities. That's mm-hmm. where I was trying to <laughs> go. <laughs> um, all over Europe, Russia, North Africa, and India. Ooh. Uh, India specifically seemed to really make an impression on Charles in a few different ways. Yeah. Um, he loved the rich colors, the landscapes, and the exotic wildlife. Apparently, one time he like turned a corner and there was a tiger drinking out of a river, and he just like lost his mind he was so excited well yeah how yeah. could you not Can that'd you, be gorgeous yeah yeah um but at the same time he was absolutely devastated by the poverty and desperation he saw sure. um amid the crowds on the streets yeah uh so after more time in europe charles set sail for canada once again um i think this was around 1903 1904-ish okay. Um, And instead of heading straight back home to Nova Scotia, he spent the next few years in British Columbia. And I I don't know much about his time in the old BC, Mm -hmm. um, except that he joined the Socialist Party of Canada while in Vancouver. Love that. Love that. Um, And I can't help but think that this decision was heavily influenced by his travels and seeing, especially in India, what he, you know, mentioned. Yeah, he was laden with empathy at that point. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... So finally, in 1912, Charles was 38, uh, and he figured it was about time to settle down. Uh, he went back to his hometown in Nova Scotia and opened, you guessed it, a concrete brick factory. Ooh. <laughs> now, uh, what is the difference between concrete and cement? I think they're about the same. Okay. Yeah. I thought so. Um, <laughs> I didn't. You know, I didn't come across anything that would indicate otherwise. Okay, so I will take that as gospel that they are the same exact yes, thing. Yes, they're, the, they're synonyms. Okay. <laughs> the most, me bragging about not using Wikipedia and then not knowing the most basic question. <laughs> I've got to learn to you not win. quiz you on You win spot. some, you lose some. <laughs> um, okay, so let's unpack this a little bit. Please. It seems, you know, like this guy lived, he was very artsy, he was you know, very um, well-traveled at this point. And so it seems like a pretty boring career choice for such an interesting guy. Yeah. Um, But this was actually kind of a bold move, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Uh, So obviously concrete in at least some form is hella old. Mm -hmm. It's been around for a long, long time. There are references to its use by the Mayans in ancient times, and small-scale production of similar materials uh, was pioneered by the Nabataean people, which is in the Middle East, um, in around the 4th century BCE. So it's 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 been been around. Yeah. Um, Of course, the ancient Egyptians got in on it, discovered ways to make concrete mix set underwater, which, to be honest, I didn't even know was a thing that's possible. How is that possible? Well, apparently they, like, mixed it with volcanic ash. Whoa. I know. I is concrete cool? Is, concrete is very cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's vintage it's, cool. Yeah, it is. It is. It's old school cool. It is. Uh, the ancient Greeks used concrete for many of their structures, but nobody really loved concrete quite like the Romans. Oh, so I mean, true. Those guys, they, they went were, all out. Yeah, obsessed. Um, they made their own signature mix from quicklime, pozzolana, and pumice. Don't know really what any of those things are, but you here know, we go. Yeah, who knows? Um, and it was such a big deal. That it actually sparked a whole Roman architectural revolution. The Roman architectural revolution. Sure, the, the, the one and only. The one and only. Yeah. 
Um, they really loved that concrete didn't have the same limitations as a lot of their traditional materials did. Namely, mm-hmm. they'd been building prior to that with stone and brick. Right. Uh, this opened up to a whole new set of shapes and features. They went crazy for arches, vaults, and domes. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, ever since then, architecture hasn't really been the same. Right. Everything got more like ornate and decorative and not as much like purely functional. Mm-hmm. Um, and they could do it faster and on an easier scale than like the Parthenon being carved right. out of marble. Right. <laughs> yeah. That had to take a while. Shade on you, Greeks. <laughs> Just kidding. You guys did great. Um, their buildings could now get bigger and more complex, and boy, did they. Mm-hmm. Uh, this revolution gave us both the Colosseum, which is made primarily of concrete, uh-huh. and the Pantheon, uh, where the dome is, to this day, the world's largest unreinforced concrete dome. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. The Colosseum didn't hold up that well. Though. I know, yeah. yeah. It's seen, it has seen better days. It has seen better days. But, it's, but... I mean, it's old. It's doing its best. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, and shout I mean, out, shout out, Coliseum. Yeah, you know? you're keeping it tight, girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm not totally sure why, but once the Roman Empire collapsed, concrete use basically fell off. Okay. Um, I don't know if that's because they like took their secret recipe with them, mm. or if they just, you know. I don't know, no one cared anymore. People didn't want things to look like the Roman Empire still. That's true. Um, But it was rare to see concrete used until it reemerged in the mid-18th century. Wow. That's a long time. It was dormant for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, Everything can have a comeback. Amen. Wow. Amen. Almost everything. Almost everything. Kanye, you can't. Kanye, we will not let you. We will not let you. I don't know why I bring up Kanye in every episode, but I think it's funny to roast him anytime I you get have a to. chance. You have to roast him It's my civic turn. duty. Yeah. Um, so in the 1750s, a civil engineer named John Smeaton uh, started playing around with concrete again. He did so in an effort to build a lighthouse uh, off the coast of Plymouth in Dorset in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, the waters here were and still are notoriously rough, uh, lots of rocks and just general chaos if you're in a boat sure uh and so people had been trying to place some sort of marker there forever but nothing would last uh so john smeaton took a crack at it and in so doing rediscovered the roman technique of using hydraulic lime the way that they were able to let it set underwater yeah so his lighthouse was the only one that lasted um and it was in use for more than a hundred years and when it went out of commission it was actually because the rocks it was built on were eroding from the water oh my god isn't that crazy that is amazing um not the actual lighthouse structure itself yeah so apparently like the top they dismantled the lighthouse so that it you know wouldn't get too crazy yeah um and they like took the top part of it off and set it up somewhere else as like a, a monument to oh, okay. John Smeaton, cool. the engineer, which is cute. Yeah. Um, so modern concrete was developed in the 19th century by a father-son pair named Joseph and William Aspden. Mm-hmm. Aspden is a lot of consonants. Right. Um, where it sounds like the father, Joseph, he had started working on some things and then William came in and like was you know, further developing them. Sure. 
Um, and then in the 1840s. And then in 1849, a man named Joseph Monier, or Monier, I don't know, invented reinforced concrete, uh, which usually this just means that there's rebar in there yeah. to help increase the tensile strength wow. so it doesn't just snap. Concrete 2.0. Amen. Uh, and so that's honestly kind of where we are today. There hasn't been a ton of, um, you know, uh, like Development. developments yeah. in concrete, which maybe that's, you know, our, our chance. You can't perfect something that <laughs> that's like that's already I mean, perfect. It does crack a lot. <laughs> it does crack a lot. Yeah. 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 But it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine. doing what it's supposed it's to doing, do. Yeah. It was doing the best it can. Yeah. Um, so by the 1850s, concrete was being produced on a larger scale and architects were starting to favor it over the stone and iron they'd been using up to this point. Sure. Um, but it still felt pretty new, especially in rural communities. So, you know, 1912, when Charles McDonald opened his factory, it was, you know, a little bit out of left field. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? That is cool. Yeah. So apparently people like made fun of him for it so i'm wondering if like somewhere on his well i guess it probably would have been in england Mm -hmm. but like where on his travels he decided i gotta bring this to yeah i think that um where sort of the influence was is he was always kind of i think he often saw himself as like an artist first and then like a businessman after and he really loved like a lot of stucco style mm. houses, both in like South America and then in like Italy and yeah. France and stuff like that, where he was like, okay, you know, and so he liked that look. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where like he sort of drew that connection Spark was like, okay, the- concrete is something that like can, yeah. will do that and can do that. And it's, um, we get into this a little bit more, but it's very cheap. And so it made it really accessible, which right. was his like socialist. Vibe. Love that. Love that. Um, so, yeah, initially when he first opened it up, people like made fun of him for it. You know, it's just like, oh, OK, <sighs> so he leaves his rural town and goes and travels the world and comes back and thinks he can open up a concrete factory. <laughs> Um, People are always going to hate on things they don't understand. They will. And I mean, to be fair to them, for a while that was kind of the case because he had to like live outside of his factory in a tent. For sure. A sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Which like in Nova Scotia, I just feel like that's nice for like one or two months out of the year, maybe. Uh, yeah. It gets chilly. It's going to get cold. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what do I know? Mm-hmm. Um, but... He was just kind of waiting for business to pick up, biding his time, and it sure did. Mm. Uh, shout out to World War One! Oh, God bless. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. concrete was apparently a big war material. Really? I don't know how or why, but huh. um, yeah. So, I mean, it was a lot of business. And I think part of it was like, um, I don't know what the use case was in World War One or, you know, on like the battlefront, but I'm also imagining that when people were trying to build buildings, they needed a cheaper option. And concrete was uh, here's, there. Here's something. <laughs> Why, when I Googled concrete use in World War One, did two articles come up with concrete ships? Now, that doesn't seem buoyant <laughs> enough. <laughs> it sure doesn't. I don't know a lot about buoyancy. Yeah. I know I like the word. I like it. I love vowels. 
I like words that sound like what they are. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Buoyancy. Buoyancy. Um, but I don't understand how you can make a ship out of concrete. I don't understand how regular ships work. So That's so true. I don't either. I like they have these fucking ones that you know hold planes. Yeah, what? that is witchcraft. <laughs> that is witchcraft. Burn that boat. It is. Because <laughs> they now, I mean, I guess. They make boats out of like steel and stuff, which also shouldn't work. So That's true. I guess con- what is crazier happening? things could happen. Wow. Who understands ships? If someone understands ships, yeah. help us. Help us. But can you please make it easy to understand? Yeah. Because <laughs> treat me like I'm five. Five is a stretch. <laughs> um, so Charlie McDonald was doing just fine, um, but he wanted a bit more. Sure. Um, this is a great strategy for any bachelors out there. In oh 1916, he took a picture of his cement brick factory and sent it to a girl he knew. Uh, <laughs> named Weird Flex. <laughs> Weird Flex. Named Mabel Misner. Mabel. Mabel is the cutest name of all time. On the back of the photo, he'd written, quote, Do you think that this has the making of a house? Most everyone laughs at it. And oh. the rest was history. No, I'm going to cry. It's That's so cute. cute. Uh, soon they were married and set to work on remodeling the cement factory into their home. Wow. Uh, and while she didn't necess- necessarily share his absolute devotion to concrete. <laughs> She's like, like, this, guy, like this guy loves <laughs> concrete. Mabel and Charles made a really great pair. Yeah. Uh, they both were really outdoorsy. Um, and they loved, uh, spending much of their time together doing things like hunting, camping, and skating. Cute. I mean, so cute. <laughs> it's too much. It's so cute. Like Charles, Mabel was also artistic. Her whole thing was rug hooking. Okay. Um, and so sometimes the two artists would collaborate where oh. Charles would sketch out a design and then she would hook a rug. No. It's so, it's so cute. cute. And some of those rugs are still at the museum. Um, she also, she just seems like, I mean, I would love to just like hang out with these people. They sound yeah, so fun. They sound great. She also loved cooking and baking and was just like this great hostess all the time. And so I read on the museum's website um, that people from the area remember being a kid around like when they lived there and mm-hmm. they would walk um past their house really slowly oh. <laughs> um, because if she noticed them walking by she'd, she'd invite, invite them, them in, in for cookies oh my god i Mabel. know i know and I'm there's obsessed. i want to be of, i know two of her um recipes are on their website which is so like that is a very precious thing to do and That's i love so it so cute. much oh it's my so god cute. um so finally, after months of work, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of that time they spent camping in a tent on the roof of the factory, wow. <laughs> uh, they turned their factory into their home. Oh. It was made entirely of reinforced concrete. Love that. And when I say it was made of concrete, yeah, I don't know if... I just want to make sure that the picture you're getting is uh-huh. is accurate. Okay. We're talking appliances, or well, not... I mean, obviously, like, like bathtub, counters. Yeah. Um, fireplace um the artwork was made of concrete Shut up. like there were like des- they would do these designs in the concrete on the walls and stuff it was so I gotta look funny it it's so cute okay um so there's like a deer head made out of concrete hanging above their fireplace oh my it's God. so cute i love it um they painted the place bright yellow Mm-hmm. Um, and even added concrete animals and statues on the lawn for decoration. 
Um, there seems to be plenty of influence from all of the colors and styles he saw during his travels, and it all comes together to form a new style that is very uh, unique to Charlie. Yeah. Which is so cute. I love it. Um, so obviously, by turning their factory into their house, Charles and Mabel were down a factory. Um, so they built a new one not far away, uh, just outside of a town ta- town called Kentville, mm-hmm. uh, which was actually closer to like a gravel pit or something too to make costs oh sure uh less smart um lost my spot oh and they started selling a variety of concrete products under the name kentville concrete products cute straight to the point straight to the point so i'd mentioned earlier that charlie had joined the socialist party of canada when he was in you um, did mention vancouver uh and this guy he hated capitalism oh which we love to see. Yeah, I also hate I also capitalism. hate capitalism. <laughs> and so he was adamant that his company did not exist to make him rich, mm. but to benefit his employees. Wow. Pure. So pure. Pure. Um, which, like, I'll forgive you for supporting the Soviet Union. <laughs> yeah, I guess you'll get a pass. Because, like, you know. You were misled by the propaganda, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. What can you do? Um, so as such, he operated his Kentville Concrete Products as a co-op. Okay. His workers, it sounds like there are about 12 of them, um, didn't receive formal wages. They just had basically an open checkbook into the company profits and oh. were, just took whatever they needed. Okay. Yeah, it's like you had us in the first half there. <laughs> it's like you know, no formal wages. Like, and so they all huh. just had like you know whatever the company made, they had access to it, and we're just. I'd I'd be interested to see how that actually panned out. I know. Well, it sounds like it went great. Like they were. I mean, it sounds like they were all with him. You know, consistently, this worked out really well for everybody. You'd need like I think the problem is. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Individualism is so much a part of American culture Mm -hmm. that I don't think you could successfully run a business like that here. Because immediately someone would take advantage of you. (laughs) Yeah. But like in Canada, when it's not fully individualism. I know. And I also, it's like there's, it was only, you know, like 12 people. Right. And they were all in this small rural yeah you know community yeah and each time there's a sense of community there's this like social aspect of it where it's like okay i can't just be a complete piece of shit right but like i'm not gonna starve like my family's gonna be okay yeah if i don't get yeah we can't have that here um i know (laughs) we're the worst um so business did well and everyone was taken care of um and so with part of this business model charles and i'm assuming you know his workers agreed mm-hmm. um they were able to save up some of the company's money for a rainy day mm. uh and this uh rainy day came in the form of the great depression <laughs> yeah that was a big <laughs> rainy a day big old rainy big day, old rainy day. Yeah. um so during this time people can't afford it necessarily to you know, buy a bunch of concrete for their fancy new product no. projects. Yeah. Uh, and so their, you know, customer base dried up a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so Charles used this money that he'd set aside um, to ensure that he didn't have to let any of his employees go mm-hmm. and decided that they'd use this lull in business. He didn't want to not work because mm-hmm. he loved it. And he wanted to also, you know, make sure that it was equitable. Yeah. Um, so he decided that they would... Um, work on a more whimsical project okay 
Uh, Charles and Mabel had a tradition of going camping every summer at a place called Huntington Point. Mm -hmm. Um, Not super far away. He loved it there and found inspiration in the seaside landscape and thought maybe other people will enjoy this too. Yeah. So he gathered his team and they set to work building five little concrete cottages. Cute. So cute. Um, A lot of places refer to them as the fairy cottages. I love that. They still exist? Yes, four of them do. Um, so he and Mabel took one and the others were rented out for super cheap. I read, um, that he, uh, used some for a time, some of them were like a youth hostel and it was like 25 cents a day or whatever. He just wanted to like, you know, share the love. Yeah. Um, but he was renting them out super cheap so that many people, uh, as many people as possible could enjoy them and the area and all of this. Mm Um, and then eventually he got buyers for them but he like spent years kind of like scoping out buyers and screening mm. them to make sure it was someone who like cared and would take care of them and would like honor you know yeah what they meant to him yeah um so four of the five are still there and one of them the blue cottage you can actually rent out oh my god um and so here's an article i'm gonna read a part of it from saltwire.com um about an experience in this uh, Blue Cottage. It's written by Wendy Elliott and was published September 15th of 2022. Mm. So let me get this link to work. Maybe. Okay. Sometimes you just get lucky. Mm-hmm. Ew. Ew. <laughs> Recently, my husband was because he won a raffle called Labor of Love. The prize was the opportunity to spend the Labor Day long weekend at the Blue Cottage at Huntington Point. Steve was pretty excited at the prospect (laughs) because his parents had spent their honeymoon exactly 80 years ago. So cute. So cute. Cute and a little creepy. creepy. (laughs) Um, At the little two-story concrete blue cottage by the Bay of Fundy. He swore their spirits met him on the stairs. Stop. I can't. I cannot with this. Oh, my God. One evening, sitting by a cozy fire, I flipped through the visitor's book that began to be used in 2005. Folks from Texas, New Zealand, France, Japan, and the Northwest Territories had all signed it. Oh, my God. They and many others described how staying at the cottage was like no other summer rental. Mm. For example, a woman from Portuguese Cove wrote, quote, this architecture just makes me feel happy. Oh. I know. Originally, there were five hand-sculpted concrete cottages built in the 1930s by artist and entrepreneur Charlie McDonald. Today, one remains in the family, and a second, the Blue Cottage, is rented to members of the Charles McDonald House in Centerville Society, which I looked it up, and I was like, oh, is it like, you know, I think, and I think membership started at like $10. So it's like, it's very accessible. That's what he would have wanted. He would have loved that. Um, the not-for-profit group actually paid off the mortgage on the cottage with donations from members who stay, usually one week at a time, at Huntington Point. Hmm. The society ensured in 1998 that the Blue Cottage has provincial heritage status. Visitors noted the colorful cottage looks like a candy shop, a fairy tale setting, or suggested it belongs in Hobbitville. Look at it. It's so cute. Oh my god. I have to go. I have to go. It's so it has no right being as cute oh as it is. Oh, my God. One four-year-old called it the Clay Cafe. The Clay Cafe. Four-year-olds are so dumb. <laughs> it's not a cafe, There's and a it's not clay. And it's not clay. What an <laughs> idiot. A Toronto fellow noted, quote, there's nothing like it anywhere I've been. 
Some renters come multiple times for a beachcombing holiday. It's peaceful and relaxing. Sometimes you can see the sky on fire at both sunset and sunrise. Mm. Lying in bed, you can hear the waves when the tide is high. Every day is a gift, suggested one visitor. Staying at the Blue Cottage allows one to feel closer to nature. There's no Wi-Fi. The only shower is outdoors, and several remarked about a brown hare peeking into the windows and deer in the woods. Oh my God. And there have been unusual bird sightings. Unusual bird sightings? Every, every bird sighting is unusual. Yeah, every bird is unusual. Um, and then it talks a little bit um, about, it just goes over like Charlie McDonald's history sure. or his life. Um, so I'll skip ahead a little bit. The structures demonstrate Charlie's belief in the virtues of concrete as a building material. It was inexpensive and available to all. Hmm. Interior elements such as the fireplace, kitchen counters, and the stairs are also made of reinforced concrete and brightly painted. Cute. The roof and trim are painted a bright blue, hence the name The Blue Cottage was literally derived. Right. The whimsical design feels completely organic. A local landmark unique within Nova Scotia, the cottage is notable for Charlie's artistic touches, practical windows of varying sizes, <laughs> and shapes and a second oh sizes and shapes and a second story balcony facing the Bay of Fundy. Additionally, it is kind of magic just being there. Hmm. Um, and so that was um, just kind of what it's like these days yeah um and i really want to go i love that you can go stay there i know it's entirely too cute um so charlie seems to have really loved his work and loved concrete and loved that he was basically able to do this type of stuff artistically Mm -hmm. like for a profession yeah um because truly it was all hand sculpted i mean like he and his team were going through and everything was truly a labor of love that's amazing um he worked there all the way up till 1951 when he was 77. Oh, my God. Uh, and so on that day, Charlie worked a full day and afterwards went up to the foreman, handed him the keys and said, it's yours. <gasps> oh, Charlie. Charlie, you pure sweet angel. Um, so today, not only can you stay in the Blue Cottage, of course, but you can visit the concrete house itself. Oh, It's been preserved to reflect how it was when the McDonald's lived in it, uh, but with the addition of some exhibits of Charlie's art and relics from the time and his life um, and some of the rugs that Mabel worked on, too. Yeah. It seems to be kind of a like a hidden gem uh, Mm -hmm. and only has 21 reviews on Google. Oh. Um, But they're pretty much all glowing about what a cute, charming place this is and how interesting Charlie was and what a like you can tell that like the foundation that run or operates this like really they like give a shit about like the history of it and like uh, preserving it and how just like goofy it was and so honestly like there weren't that many reviews to pick from um because a lot of them didn't even like say anything um but there weren't really any funny ones other than this five star one three years ago from raymond Raymond. uh that just says freaky but cool okay (laughs) so i didn't get freaky from anything else yeah i didn't get freaky vibes from um you know concrete but but uh that's so raymond so that is so (laughs) raymond he would do that (laughs) and that is the charles mcdonald concrete house museum what a sweet sweet story isn't it so sweet oh I, it just melted me. I love that. And who knew? Like, that's what I love about sometimes you'll find the most what sounds like a boring museum. Yeah. But there's like a great story, yeah. you know, behind it. I know. And I was like, 
I realized that I'd done most of my museums lately have been about like the thing that it exhibits which obviously like that's the whole thing but it had been a while since I had a good story about like the person like where the museum itself is like less interesting than the person who is behind it yeah I was missing that oh my gosh um wow campers how much do you love concrete yeah on a scale of one to ten I love it. I'm I'm at a 10 right now. I'm at a 10. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I'd get there, but here I am. Um, <laughs> My work here is done. <laughs> Campers, if you wouldn't mind giving us a follow on social media, we would love to hang out with you. We are on Instagram and TikTok, and that is it. Do not ask me to be anywhere else. That's plenty. Um, <laughs> but if you go there, you can search at the museum camp and uh, we'll hang out with you. Yeah. Um, if you would like to support the podcast in a way that we would genuinely appreciate, you could leave us a review and a rating five stars only, please. Um, (laughs) and then if you, uh, have some extra money burning a hole in your pocket, you could become a Patreon member, uh, patreon.com slash the museum camp. Um, and we'd love to see you there and we love you so much. We do. We really love you. And we're going to see you next week. We'll see you then. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs)